The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Thanks so much for joining us. Today is Saturday, August 26th. I am joined by my buddy, Drew Silva, Drew Silva. Uh, well, I don't know why I called you by your full name there, but we're pretty excited about some Notre Dame football today, aren't we? Yeah, man. We've got college game day here on my tablet. Uh, everything's right in the world. Finally, like the six six straight days of 115 plus heat index have, has broken here in St. Louis, and it's beautiful. actually raining, which I'll take. Heck it's yeah. a beautiful day for to watch. Notre Dame hopefully take care of Navy out in Dublin and I mean yeah college football's back and then USC San Jose State later if I can find the Pac-12 network if <laughs> I can't believe there's still a Pac-12 network but yeah you know yeah it's a tough one uh if you have if you have direct tv Drew you're not finding it but everybody else you can maybe uh give that a watch to watch the Heisman Trophy favorite and Caleb Williams even though we are not the biggest USC fans uh real quick Make sure you're following Rotowire College Football stuff. They do an excellent job of the coverage, all of the betting odds, anything you could be possibly looking for. Uh, take a look at that. And make sure that you're paying attention to the Rotowire MLB page for betting odds stuff. And let's talk about some of that stuff a little bit later. We're going to be going over a wild card rundown. We'll look at all the teams in contention, the players to keep an eye on, the betting odds, all of that stuff. It is absolute chaos in the American League and the National League, but especially the National League. I'm glad I gave that one to you, Drew. But before we get into that, let's do go over some headlines. Unfortunately, the big news could be a really major loss for both the Orioles and fantasy teams. Uh, Felix Bautista is currently undergoing tests after exiting Friday's appearance against the Rockies due to right arm discomfort. It came after he delivered a fastball that was clocked at 102.3 miles per hour. Uh, there weren't more many specifics uh, about what the injury is, Drew, but this is potentially a massive blow for arguably the best closer in baseball. Yeah, um, it's a it's a hard one to talk about because we just we just don't know enough yet. Right. But I don't know. It certainly didn't look good when you fire off a 102.3 mile per hour fastball and then feel something in your arm and then you exit the field and now he's undergoing imaging scans it would obviously be a, a huge blow to the orioles a huge blow to, to fantasy managers who are trying to lock down a championship and bautista right. has been in you know an elite elite fantasy closer maybe the elite fantasy closer this year i guess yiner cano um 
would be like the obvious choice to like step into the Batista role. Um, I, I would guess that's the way it's going to happen. They've used him as more of like a, a fireman, you know, coming in earlier in games in the, in the sixth or seventh inning if, if a fire needs to be put out. Um, Shintaro Fujinami, who we haven't talked about since I said he doesn't look like a major league pitcher, like the first <laughs> week of the season when he had that really rough start for the yeah. A's in his major league debut. Um, but he looks so much better in relief now yes. in Baltimore. Like that's, that's probably the role that suits him best. I mean, he throws the crap out of the ball. Um, maybe he would prove to be like a, an option at closer if this leads to kind of a long-term aspect absence for Bautista, but I would say Cano is, if he's out there on any kind of waiver wire, you want to go grab him right now. Yeah, that would absolutely be the guy I would go get. Worth pointing out that Danny Colombe did get that save uh, to Mm -hmm. end the game yesterday. Maybe you see some left-on-left stuff where he gets some save opportunities if they prefer to keep Cano in that fireman role of being the guy you use in the most high leverage of situations. You know, we kind of worried about that being Bautista's role but he clearly became the set it and forget it closer for that team. Not a great situation either way. And here's hoping that Bautista is back on the mound soon. Uh, one player who's probably not going to be back on, definitely not going to be back on the mound soon because he's not a pitcher, but not on the field anytime soon is Michael Conforto uh, placed on the injured list and has been diagnosed with a grade two left hamstring strain. Uh, That makes it a moderate sprain, which means he is definitely going to miss more than that moderate amount of time. This is kind of a bummer for a player who has uh, missed all of the 2022 season, uh, has hit 251, 343, 405 with 15 homers, uh, four stolen bases. Hasn't been exceptional, Drew, but for a team that is playing for that wild card spot, Drew, and for fantasy managers who had him on the roster, it's at least a little bit of a significant loss. I think it's a really significant loss, and I'm I'm going to talk about the Giants at length later. I don't want to spoil all my good stuff, but Conforto's <laughs> been a, a really nice pickup. I don't know where the Giants would be without him. Like, you know, going into the season, he was like the only player on that team that you could project for like meaningful p- power production and fantasy. I remember talking about that, and you know, he hasn't been like excellent, but he's been at least steady, and that's better than most of the Giants hitters. This is you're talking about a grade two hamstring strain for a guy who's not necessarily young. This is going to be at least two weeks. I think it could push toward four weeks. And that's just a pretty brutal blow for the giants who are kind of hanging on by a thread with their offense and with their pitching, which I'll get into later. Um, They brought back up Helio Ramos, who has been good in the minors has been horrible in the majors. It's, it's a small sample over this year and last year. Maybe he could find something. I, I think, in general, they move forward with Luis Matos as their primary right fielder. Uh, Wade Meckler is going to keep getting starts in center field. And then you have like Austin Slater and, you know, Blake Sable who can mix into the, the corner outfield mix as well. But uh, it's a huge loss for that Giants offense. And it, I think it's definitely going to affect their ability to remain in contention. I say that, but as we go through the teams in the NL wildcard race, you know, it seems like anyone's really alive. Um, but we'll get into that later. Absolutely. Yeah. It's talking about Wade Meckler and Julio Ramos and talking about wildcard contention. It's just kind of a nutty thing, but it is what it is in the year of 2023. Uh, those are negative news. We do have some positive news. Uh, Joe Ryan will return from the 15 day injured list to start 
Saturday against the Rangers. Uh, last minor league rehab started through 71 pitches and struck out seven over four innings of one run baseball. This is his first start since landing on the injured list on August 3rd, I believe, due to a left groin strain. How optimistic are you about Ryan having fantasy success, not just today as we're recording, but over the final month plus? He, he's a tricky one because he had an excellent first half. Um, yes. And then like right around the end of June, let's see, going back to, to his final start in June, he had an 8.63 ERA over his last seven starts prior to landing on the IL. But in that stretch, the strikeout rate had been maintained or it was mm -hmm. even better in some points than his first half production, 52 strikeouts over 32 innings in that seven start span. Um, so, you know, like the idea that he's still going to swing and miss, there were just some bad blowups within there. He looked a little bit more mediocre than dominant, but with the strikeouts, I, I would be hold off on starting him against the Rangers in this outing. Um, because it's, a, it's just a bad matchup with that Rangers offense. But I don't know. Now that I say that, I think I would just go ahead and start him. The, I mean, the fact that he threw 71 pitches in his minor league rehab start and looked good, mm -hmm. I know it was at AAA and the Rangers offense is you know, top five in baseball. But you figure he could go 90 innings. There's a possibility of him reaching seven-plus strikeouts. You hope the ERA doesn't kill you. I don't know. I've talked myself into, I think you just plug them in right away. I, I mean, I, the, there just aren't that many starters that have no. that kind of strikeout upside on the board right now. No. Um, and then moving forward, I, I, I can't like diagnose anything that he was necessarily doing wrong in that seven sure. start stretch before he went on the IL. Like it, it had nothing to do with the hamstring. Um, so I figure maybe some time off will be good for him to kind of reset. And again, he, he maintained the K rate and hopefully he can maintain that down the stretch. Yeah, just the fact that he was still missing bats at a solid rate, you know, mm -hmm. and the same rate suggests that there was some bad luck during those starts. I was a little more homer prone, which is something that he was very good at avoiding early in the portion of the season. Homers sometimes offer a little bit of luck as well. You know, the, the fly ball, getting a little extra on it in the summer months, yada, yada, yada. But I am optimistic about Joe Ryan being a solid, if unspectacular, unspectacular option down the stretch. I think the same thing could be said about this guy to a lesser extent, actually, though. But it looks like Jordan Wicks is going to be making his debut sometime soon. Uh, 2021 first-round pick out of Kansas State, that baseball hotbed that is Kansas State. Uh, 20 starts made so far this year with a 3.55 ERA, uh, 99 strikeouts against 32 walks in 91 and one-third innings. Uh, the numbers in AAA are a 3.82 ERA and a 30 to 13 strikeout to walk ratio over 33 and a third innings. When and if Jordan Wicks makes that start, Drew, are you adding him to your fantasy roster? It was actually just announced as we started recording here that hey. he is indeed getting the call. Beautiful. to make his MLB debut on Sunday against the Pirates. You know, that's kind of a soft landing spot, a, a yeah. Pirates team that, you know, had a little surge at the beginning of the season, but has mostly been what we expected them to be um, in the last four months. Sure. Um, I, I, you know, you know, Wicks better than I do. Um, I'm an idiot who just looks at minor league numbers and sure. projects what those are going to look like in the majors. At least half um, of that. Yeah, I mean, like, the strikeout rates in the minors were pretty good, and 
don't know. You tell me. Are you playing him against the Pirates? It seems like a fruitful matchup, but I might make him my Sunday streamer all of a sudden. Well, he's probably going to be my Sunday streamer, and yet I'm still not terribly optimistic about what we're going to see from Jordan Wicks. My biggest concern here is over his last 10 starts, he has yet to throw more than five innings. And there have been a lot of four inning outings as the Cubs are kind of managing the innings. So the win chance probably won't be there even if the Cubs win. And I would bet on the Cubs to win because the Pittsburgh Pirates aren't good and the Cubs are actually pretty good. One of the best changeups in minor league baseball gets 70 grades, sometimes gets those 80 grades. It's an absolute weapon for him. And he has an above average fastball and he shows the makings of a decent curveball as well. But this is not your prototypical, like, lefty throws a ton of strikes. Like, he can be wild. Now, sometimes he can be effectively wild as well. It's really going to depend on the matchup. If he's facing the Pirates, if he's facing those doldrums uh, in the bottom, like the the Rockies, not in Colorado, if he's facing uh, the Mets, all of a sudden have become a pretty good streaming lineup against. Yeah, sure, I'm taking a look at that. But if he's facing the better teams and, like, the top of that weird, weird NL Central, I think I'm probably avoiding him. That's true for a lot of rookie pitchers. And it's worth pointing out that I think Ben Brown would have gotten this opportunity if he was healthy right now. He's currently on the injured list with a lat strain. There's some talk about him being a bullpen option down the stretch for the Cubs. Very interested to see how that works. But I think Wicks is more um, streamer than somebody that I'm just having in my lineup no matter what. But take the chance on Sunday because there's not a ton of great options for streaming on Sunday. Yeah, so if if yeah, he's going on Sunday against the Pirates. If he stays up and stays on turn, he would be at the Reds next weekend. That's, tough. That's real tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably passing against some of those right-handed power bats as well and in that ballpark. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's some strikeout opportunities to be sure against that lineup. Um, but yeah, that's probably starting him on Sunday probably resting him against Cincinnati if I add him to my roster when he throws a no-hitter against the Reds we regret the air uh real quick before we get into the second half of the show I'm going to take advantage of my hosting duties and wish my mom a very happy birthday happy birthday mom I know you're listening to this because I make you listen to all of my shows I really really appreciate everything you've done for me uh we'll get into the wild card team overview but first take a quick commercial break We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have that highest index of 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game, so you can see what it will be at any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can access the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so let's take a look at the wild card. And Drew, before we get into it, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Is the third wild card good for baseball or is it bad? It depends what you want to get out of baseball. Um baseball. Just just give me just, just don't don't give me that. Is it is it good? Do you like it or do you not like it? I don't like it because I'm I'm just a purist. Like if I had my way, it would be like it would be the olden days where two teams make the world series and they play a nine game series. There you go. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a a purist in that regard, but I would say it's probably good for baseball. It keeps teams alive. Like with the giants and reds and cubs and, or the AL side would, would some of these teams that maybe shouldn't be alive, still be alive Would these fan bases be charged up that their teams are taking a step forward. Like, Mm -hmm. You know, Great American Ballpark is is doing well in August, in late August for once. Wrigley Field is rocking. Um, that's not necessarily Chase Field in Arizona. There's excitement there again. Um, would that be happening without the, the third wild card? No. So, well, I guess they would be, be vying for that second wild card. But it, it keeps fan bases engaged. I mean, MLB attendance is way up this year, which is really cool and Ratings have been good if you can find your team on whatever platform you subscribe to. Um, sure. so, so, yeah, I, I would say in general it's good for baseball. It, it's not my favorite thing, but I'm, 
I'm all about, you know, getting more people into the sport. And it seems like as much as Rob Manfred gets a lot of hate, um, some of the stuff that he has deployed has generally worked for the casual fan. I think the pitch clock has been great. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, we're going to do, I'm going to be taking the American League teams. Drew's going to be taking the National League teams. I'll just quickly give you the standings uh, for each division or for each wild card. Uh, in the American League, we have Tampa Bay in that top wild card spot. Texas and Seattle are technically tied for that second wild card spot. Um, they both are also tied for the division lead. By the way, Drew. This is the latest the Seattle Mariners have share, hold a share of the American League Wild or American League West since August 26th of 2003. It has been 20 wow. years since the Mariners have held a lead this late. Uh, Houston uh, is te in, technically in that third wild card spot at 72 and 58. Not technically, they just are. Toronto at 70-59 is two and a half games back. Boston at 68 and 61 is four and a half games back. Everybody else is 10 games back in that division. Uh, Drew, you want to go over the National League standings real quick? Somebody's not. Um, yeah, the Phillies right now are, are, are yeah. leading the, the, the NL wildcard at, at, at a three-game advantage. Diamondbacks are second wildcard spot. Cubs are third wildcard spot. This is It's just confusing to run through because – there are especially in the central there are so many yes. teams vying for this yeah. um obviously atlanta has run away with the nl east yeah milwaukee four games up in the nl central dodgers running away with the nl west mm -hmm. um I'll, I'll talk about it more as we get into this you want me to just start with the phillies and by the way i don't think my mom has ever listened to one of my shows so i don't think I my mom actually mom. has either but just in case okay <laughs> i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna say like she listens to all your shows why do you do that to her nope um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean, my mom was like asked before, and I'm like, I don't sure. think it would interest you. Don't don't 100%. worry about it. <laughs> Big same. Um, yeah. Um, let's just let's start on the NL side with the Phillies, and we can kind of just go team by team here yeah. as far as the wild cards are going to shake out. And I would say the Phillies are the, the safest bet to claim an NL wild card spot. You know, probably the top NL wild card spot as we chat here on what is it Saturday, August 26th. First day of college football season. Um, but yeah, the Phillies are 13 and a half games back of Atlanta in the NL East, but commanding that top wild card right now with a three game advantage on the field at a record of 70 and 58. They're minus 1100 to make the playoffs, plus 850 to miss the playoffs. So heavily favored to get into the postseason mix. And you know, honestly, the best bet there, I think, actually would be to to have them miss and root for a collapse because it could happen if, if you're a sicko and not a Phillies fan, <laughs> um, but they are the best, they are the best equipped team to get there by a pretty wide margin with what they have on the pitching side and on offense. It's you know, really a fairly similar team to the one that marched to the world series last year, maybe even better in some departments that's kind of built for the postseason. It's a bit of a top heavy roster, but it's got more depth this year than I think it did last year. Um, Michael Lorenzen has come back down to earth after his no hitter, but uh, that, that trade deadline pickup gives them another reliable option in the rotation beyond Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, Christopher Sanchez has been good. Taiwan Walker has been up and down this year, but much steadier lately. Um, their most valuable fantasy hitter so far. Um, he's been their most valuable in, in fantasy scoring and in terms of war is Bryson Stott actually. 
um, who had a great opening month of the season, uh, moved into the leadoff spot for a time with Trey Turner not having the best first year in Philly. Stott has come back to life um, in the second half after a, a serious dip. He's recently settled into the number five spot in the lineup. And, and overall this year, a 295 batting average, 779 OPS, 12 homers, 24 steals in 120 games. So solid full category fantasy scoring production. Um, for a player who was undrafted in most leagues this spring, had an ADP above 400 on Yahoo, around 300 on some other services. Bryce Harper has found his power, you know, had a three-game homer streak in the works earlier this week that finally got snapped on Friday, but that was in a game that he went two for four with a triple and, and two runs scored as the Phillies beat my Cardinals. Um, that should be the last mention of the Cardinals on this show, but Bryson <laughs> Stott, I mean, stands out to me as a guy who's been super productive. Castellanos has, has had a bit enough of an up and down year, but has generally been steady in terms of fantasy scoring. And with Harper actually hitting some homers now, um, they can get Kyle Schwarber going again. This could be a really dangerous postseason team. And I do think they'll make it. I, I wouldn't bet against them to make it. I think they're in a really good spot given the teams that I'm going to talk about after them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, I, I think that they are, by the way, the preview I did with uh, Alex copy, if people haven't checked that out, it's on the Rotowire uh, podcast network. You can find that uh, definitely check that out. She's excellent. And it, gave a really good breakdown of what to expect from those Phillies, but I think they're just locks. I think they are absolutely going to the postseason, and I think they've got a chance to do some damage in the postseason as well. So we'll be excited to see how that team finishes the year. Um, Real quick, uh, just give you the schedule for the Phillies to end the year. Uh, Cardinals, Angels, Brewers, Padres, Marlins, Atlanta, St. Louis, Atlanta, Mets, Pirates and Mets. I think that's really favorable. There, there's a couple of tough teams in there in the middle, but that is a very favorable schedule. Yeah, uh, talk I actually, about- I, I pulled up a strength of schedule. Um, let me, I don't know how to read this chart now. Oh, it's okay. So, actually, yeah, uh, I should have been more prepared. The Phillies have the tenth hardest strength of schedule. So much of that the has to be Atlanta. Way. So much of that has to yep. be Atlanta. There's because they've got, yeah. at this at that point got in the year, seven games against Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. At at that at that point in the year, you're talking about an Atlanta team that is, uh, you know, still probably playing for home field advantage, but maybe not necessarily in uh, the highest of uh, production modes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they're we're not. Well, 100- they're already. Yeah, they're already. Yeah, they're openly talking already. Atlanta is about you know mapping out the postseason rotation. It's August twenty sixth. You know. Yeah, that is absolutely insane. In a pretty good, not great, but pretty good division to be running away with that speaks very well to how well they've played. Uh, in the American League, the number one seed is the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the Rays got off to as good of a start as anybody in baseball. Like in not just baseball, they had one of the best starts in baseball history. A lot of that. Uh, buoyed by the fact that they got to play the Oakland Athletics an awful lot in the early portion of the year. I can still remember watching that series, Drew, and thinking, wow, the A's are not going to win very many baseball games this year. And of the many things that have happened, that's the one thing that's actually come true. The Oakland Athletics have not won a whole heck of a lot of games. Real quick, I I, I know I go on tangents sometimes. 
Shout out to Zach Neal, who was just overwhelmed with picking up his first win in seven years. That was awesome to see. Good for you, buddy. That was uh, That's one of the things that makes baseball great, is you get stories like Zach Neal, who gets his first win in that long of time. But uh, Tampa Bay has been a pretty mediocre baseball team since that start, but they've built up such a large amount of wins that they are significant favorites to make the postseason. Uh, pulling up those odds right now because that's what good hosts do. They are minus 10,000 to make the postseason. And if you're feeling frisky and you want to bet no, you can get plus 2,500 on them to make the postseason. It's a little tempting. I mean, just because of the fact that they uh, have not played all that well and there are some teams behind them that have played exceptionally well, it's at least a little bit tempting. Uh, you know, we haven't talked about this and we're not going to spend a whole heck of a lot talk of time talking about it, but it is worth pointing out that the Rays do not have the guy who has been their best player for most of the year in Wander Franco. It's a disgusting situation and that's all I'm going to say about it. That's all Drew is going to say about it. I am speaking for him. We are not talking about Wander Franco's situation. Uh, you take a look at how they've been playing lately though. Um, so-so, uh, and if you take a look at their schedule, that's a little scary, I think, as well. It's one of the reasons why I'm not sure they're a lock to take that first wildcard spot. They've got the Yankees, the Marlins, the Guardians, the Red Sox, the Mariners, the Twins, the Orioles, the Angels, Toronto, Boston, and Toronto. Drew, that's pretty tough. That is not exactly a yeah. string of uh, not great teams that they're going to be playing. Uh, it, and again, not having your best player, not having a legitimate ace, I think, is also something best that pitcher you're... either. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, they have dealt with some injury stuff. They have dealt with some awful off the field stuff as well. Of course, I still think that they're pretty much a lock to make the postseason. I don't know. Even with a six game lead, I don't necessarily know if they're a lock to finish in with that top spot because that is a really tough schedule to end the year. It's the fifth hardest by strength of schedule because yeah even even like kind of the non-contenders that mm -hmm. they're facing are you know the guardians angels and yankees like yeah it's like like the, the teams that are not currently in a in a postseason spot so right i, I don't know I've, I've counted out the rays before just by looking at you know their depth chart i want to like do it again say even if they limp into the playoffs this is going to be a really gettable team but they're a very creative team that like seems to have uh, culture is overused in sports but it right. seems like it's i mean they've had so many problems this year uh but i think they're gonna limp in i think they're gonna yeah. limp in and then you know who who knows what could happen in like a three-game wild card series or even a five-game series they could sure. they can navigate that with what they have and mm -hmm. and make a surprising run it wouldn't shock me but Certainly in, in terms of the AL teams on paper, they look very much patchwork. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through, you know, we had the Phillies as as the cream of the crop in the NL wildcard race, and then you just get right into this pile of NL Central stuff teams. Um Milwaukee has surged back into control of the division in recent weeks on, on a six-game winning streak at the moment. Uh, to take a four-game lead over the Cubs for first place in the Central. The Reds sitting at five games back of the Brewers in the division. And then you flip to the wild card standings, and it's the Cubs occupying the third spot and the Reds at one game back of them for that third spot. So it's 
technically possible that all three of these central teams get in. I, I'd say more likely it's going to be two. It, it could just be one. Uh, it could just be the division winner, but you can't really handicap that with any certainty as things are right now. Um, I'll just run through all three of these central teams, like zeroing in on, on the Brewers first. Yes, to make the playoffs is minus 1,400. No, to make the playoffs is at plus 1,000. I'd probably just leave that alone if I'm trying to bet an angle on this NL Central wildcard race. The, the Brewers sure. have the pitching stability to avoid extended losing streaks. So even if the Cubs or Reds make a charge up the divisional standings, the Brewers should be able to fall into a wildcard spot. You know, they'd be the heavy favorites to go ahead and win that division title as of now. Brandon Woodruff's back and healthy. Freddie Peralta has been tremendous. Uh, Corbin Burns, not quite as dominant as we'd expect, but capable of flashing that and finishing strong and, and being good and, and going into October. If those three are healthy leading in October, it's it's a dangerous team, as we've said in many years past. Um, Adrian Hauser and Wade Miley have been solid, too. You can move them into relief roles in the postseason. It's been a struggle offensively for the Brewers for, for much of the year. 25th out of 30 in combined team OPS, but you know, props to Christian Yelich for rebounding and putting together his best season since that wild 2018-2019 stretch where he had historically great fantasy production. Um, right now in 2023 for Yelich, a 284 average, 822 OPS, 16 homers, 27 steals, 67 RBIs, 88 runs scored through 124 games. He fell outside the top 100 in fantasy drafts this spring. Sure and has been a top 20 hitter, you know, in standard five by five scoring, even like top 15. Um, so that's been really impressive. But, you know, it, it's tough for him to do it alone to carry that offense. But again, they have the pitching stability to be fine. Uh, for the Cubs, their fantasy MVP has to be Cody Bellinger. Oh, yeah. 316 batting average. I didn't know he was still capable of doing that. Uh, 907 OPS, 20 home runs, 17 steals, 68 RBIs, 72 runs through 97 games played this year, covering first base or center field wherever the Cubs have needed him. Uh, you know, they could have dealt Bellinger at the trade deadline and, and done really well in that trade, you know, get some young talent in return and call it a smart move, pat themselves on the back that they signed him to that one year, $17.5 million contract over the offseason. Um, but they stuck with him through the August 1st deadline and are now very much in the postseason mix. Yes, to make the playoffs is minus 135. To miss the playoffs is plus 110. I think that minus 135 play um, is good. I, I worry about the pitching and how they're going to have to manage Justin Steele's workload. They've already been talking about that, about giving him extra rest or having some shortened outings down the stretch, and he's been their ace by far. You know, Maybe they can get Jordan Wicks, who we talked about at the top of the show, get him into the mix on Sunday. He proves to be ready right away. Um, that injury to Marcus Stroman is unfortunate, out indefinitely with a rib fracture. Might not pitch at all the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of piecing some things together offensively and definitely on the pitching side. Um, on to the Reds. Yes, to make the playoffs is plus 175. No on the playoffs is minus 215. So the odds makers aren't really liking their chances, and I yeah. tend to agree. Um, it's a young, fun team. They've graduated a lot of promising long-term pieces on the hitting side and the pitching side. Hunter Green's back from the IL finally. Uh, Graham Ashcraft has settled in, as we discussed last Saturday. Andrew Abbott and Braden Williamson have been, you know, pretty – perfectly fine. Uh, Nick Lodolo 
suffered another stress reaction in his left tibia though. And uh, just, that was like on his third minor league rehab start when that happened, he was probably going to jump back into the rotation this week. Uh, so that hurts. I wouldn't fully count out the Reds just yet. You know, they're only one game back of the third NL wild card, but they could really use an extended winning streak sometime in September. And I don't know if that's in the cards for them. Um, you could pick out a lot of different like fantasy standouts in terms of players who have surprised Matt McClain, obviously Ella de la Cruz, uh, TJ Friedel even, uh, but I'll go with Spencer Steer. If I'm mm. like picking out a, a fantasy MVP in terms of where he was drafted and what he's given 814 OPS, 18 homers, 70 RBIs, even 11 steals through 125 games playing first base, third base, left field. He's even played some second base. Uh, Steers, 25 years old, acquired from the Twins in, in the Tyler Malley trade, which has not worked out too well for Minnesota. Steer is a really nice immediate piece for them right now and great in the long term. Um, th- those are the kind of guys you need to like sort of a late bloomer who has now become a really promising youngster. All right, that's that's probably enough NL Central talk. Back to you, Chris. And we'll never talk about the NL Central ever again. No, I <laughs> It's a good breakdown, and it's uh, it's it's a fascinating division that has a lot of long-term upside, I think, but it's also like this is what people who were wailing against the third wildcard spot are like, what the heck are we doing? Why are these teams in contention? And it's also my biggest concern about baseball going forward is the fact that some of those teams that you mentioned didn't try very hard this offseason and had some specific comments about not trying hard this postseason, and yet they're still able to be in postseason contention. It's why we got, I think, one of the weakest trade deadlines that we've had in quite some time, and it's going to be something that I think you're going to have to be cognizant of is that teams that don't spend a ton of money are not going to be necessarily punished by not making the postseason going for it yeah yeah and that and that bothers me that does bother me because i want to see teams try to win I, I i'm a prospect guy who understands the value of rebuilds for lack of a better term uh, uh, there is a better term it's called tanking but i do understand the value of a rebuild but it's frustrating and as a p- person who rooted for a team for for 21 years didn't make the postseason i kind of had my eyes opened a little bit about how much better it is to win baseball games than it is to go through that process, but uh, very interesting. Note before, yeah, um, go ahead. The, in terms of strength of schedule, Milwaukee's is very favorable. They have yes. seven against the Cardinals, three against the Pirates, three against the Nationals. Um, their toughest opponents is is three against the Phillies, six against the Cubs. I, you know that that makes things interesting for the Cubs, but that they're going to have a chance to face the Brewers. And if hey, if you win five of those six, you're suddenly like in command of the division. Um, but that's that's a big part of the reason why they're so heavily favored to or just have, you know, such minus odds to make the playoffs. Um, the Cubs actually have a, a fairly difficult strength schedule because they have three against Atlanta, uh, six against the Brewers, like I mentioned, seven against the Diamondbacks and then some uh, they have six against the Rockies, though. So, you know, they can, they can make up some ground there. And yeah, again, if you take care of business against the Brewers, I don't know, I'm, I'm starting to like the Cubs, actually, even though I'm not. <laughs> allowed to say that in St. Louis. Yeah, you've kind of talked yourself into a couple of Cubs things during this show. It's been kind of fun to watch. Uh, By the way, the Reds, brutal schedule coming up. They have Arizona for another two, San Francisco, then the Cubs, then the Mariners. Then they get the Cardinals and the Tigers and the Mets, but then Twins, 
Pirates, Cleveland, St. Louis. So kind of a mixed bag there, but this is not a fun stretch for Cincinnati. I think we're going to find out a lot of things about this team uh, over the next couple of weeks, if not days. Since you went uh, all in on the AL Central, or NL Central, excuse me, I will go all in on the AL West. Currently, as we mentioned, the Rangers are tied with the Mariners for that second wild card spot. I still think that's the team that's winning the division. They've lost nine straight, which is feeling, um, I'm a little less confident in that after seeing that uh, type of um, seeing that uh, type of play over these last nine games. But I still think that they have the best roster. But the Mariners have been playing awful well, Drew. They are 22 and six over their last 28 games. That is certainly not something to sneeze at. Uh, they have been uh, buoyed by a guy named Julio Rodriguez, who I've talked about a few times. Uh, over his last, he's hitting 409 in the month of August, but it hasn't just been him. Uh, Big Dumper, aka Cal Rally, has contributed eight homers in the month of August. Teoscar Hernandez is hitting 353, finally playing like the team, or playing like the player that the Mariners were hoping to get during this season. Um, they've gotten contributes from Josh Rojas, who's been excellent after the trade. I don't think anybody expected Josh Rojas to be a big contributor for the Mariners in 2023 or anybody else, but he's been excellent. My biggest concern with the Mariners, and it's weird to say, it's actually the starting rotation because, yes, Luis Castillo, George Kirby, and Logan Gilbert make up a strong big three, but in the four spot right now, you have Bryce Miller, who has been hit and miss. He was not good yesterday against Kansas City. Brian Wu currently lined up to be that fifth starter for them. I don't love that situation, especially as a guy who's probably going to have his innings managed. They signed Luke Weaver. It's possible Luke Weaver might make starts for them down the stretch. I'm not loving that situation. Looked fantastic in his relief debut, two innings of five, two innings with five strikeouts of scoreless baseball, but it was against the White Sox, who were just awful. Just a horrific baseball team. I don't think people talk enough about how bad the Chicago White Sox are right now. Uh, their schedule is a little weird, too. They get the Royals, then they get the A's, then they get the Mets, but then Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, Angels, Dodgers, those dreaded athletics again. And then this is the big thing, and this is true for uh, Seattle, Houston, and Texas, is they all play each other a bunch down the stretch. The Mariners end with Rangers, Astros, Rangers. So to say they control their own destiny is the understatement of understatements. Uh, for the Astros, you're talking about a schedule that ends with the Tigers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Rangers, the Padres, the A's, the Royals, the Orioles, the Royals again, the Mariners, and the Diamondbacks. It's funny that Houston and Arizona could be playing each other for playoff lives to end the season. That's one of the things about this mixed schedule that's really Balanced funny. schedule, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, hey, here's two teams. The winner of it gets a wild card in one spot, loser goes home. I think, uh, by the way, the playoff odds for the Mariners, they're now minus 400 to make the postseason. That is something that is, I don't think Drew and I were expecting at all. We were kind of not writing them off, but it was, it seemed very yes. unlikely that, yeah, that's fair. You were, well, I wasn't because I needed the Mariners to be good for my YouTube channel, but for everybody else, uh, I do think uh, they were uh, looking at the Mariners as probably a lost season. Uh, I don't see, oh, there we go. Astros are minus 360. Uh, plus 290 as of today, uh, minus 360 to uh, make the postseason plus 290. 
it's it's a matter of the Astros staying healthy, just to put it plain and simple. If they have the best versions of Jordan Alvarez and they have the best versions of Jose Altuve and they have Justin Verlander now a part of that rotation, I think they're probably going to the postseason. But they've dealt with so many injuries, Drew. And, you know, the pitching behind Framber Valdez and now Verlander has been kind of shaky. I don't really love it. I still think I would bet yes on the Astros to make the postseason. But it's not the lock of locks, absolutely, and especially with Toronto, you know, and we'll I'll talk about Toronto's schedule here in just a second, but it is extremely favorable here coming forward. I don't think the Astros are a lock. Yeah, and yeah, I think you, your mic might have cut out or something during part of your Mariners spiel. I, I couldn't oh. hear you for – hopefully it was just on my end. I hope but so, if, too. Yeah, if, people need, if people need more Mariners talk, to subscribe to Chris's YouTube channel. And there you go. Funny. All you need. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have trouble saying that you know, the Astros aren't going to make it. I, yeah. And, you know, they've, they've, they've had some issues. It hasn't been the, the cleanest, sharpest year for them, but I don't, they have six starters, which is like something that not, not a lot of teams have right now. Even, sure. even the, the best, con, the best contenders that are leading divisions. Um, let's talk diamondbacks what an interesting team this is. There was that dreadful stretch coming out of the all-star break where they lost 17 of 20 games stretching all the way into the second week of August, 17 of 20 games they lost. Um, but they're currently right now on a six game winning streak and have won 11 of their last 13 to jump into the second NL wildcard spot. Currently a half game up there on the Cubs. Yes. To make the playoffs is suddenly minus minus one forty. No to make the playoffs isn't even on the board, um, at least wow. at DraftKings. It's just it's hard to know what to do with this team right now and the way that the NL Central race is going to shake out. I'm sure that'll be put up there eventually. But uh, the Diamondbacks are surging. Uh, Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, even Brandon Fat uh, leading the way on the pitching side. I'll take the easy way out here and, and name Corbin Carroll as the biggest standout in terms of fantasy value. He's yeah. pretty good, Chris Corbin Carroll. He's okay. Um, but from an average draft position of, you know, right inside the top 80, he was 79 on Yahoo to now a top, top eight first round type of player, runaway NL rookie of the year um, who might even get a few NL MVP votes, 22 homers, 39 stolen bases through 124 games. He has a shot at going 30-40 in his first full major league season. We'll, we'll take 25-45, 25 homers, 45 steals. That's pretty good for a, a rookie, too. He's going to be a first-rounder next year. I I took him top five when we did our, our second-half fantasy draft back in July. He's a real one. And Arizona has a relatively easy strength of schedule the rest of it, the way. I mean, they have a series against the Orioles, a series against the Dodgers, a series against the Astros. They have seven against the Cubs, um, which is going to determine a lot of this wild card stuff. They get two against the Giants, two against the Reds, three against the Rockies, three against the White Sox, four against the Mets, who have given up, three against the Yankees. It's 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 a schedule that they can navigate and I think lock down a wild card spot. A big part of it is going to be taking care of those NL Central teams along the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're talking about the Diamondbacks still being in contention because, Drew, it looked like a second ago, not a second ago, like two weeks ago, they were done because yeah. they were playing yep. so poorly and they just looked like a team that maybe peaked a little bit too high. But in part due to the fact that teams have come down, like there just has not been that team that has run away uh, outside of the division leaders. 
they've stayed in this thing. And I, I do like their chance of making their postseason. And I'm rooting for it because I just love watching talented young teams. And I want to see Corbin Carroll on the biggest stage. That guy is just an absolute superstar. Give me a postseason that's got guys like Corbin Carroll and Julio Rodriguez and the like. Um, the Blue Jays have a few of those stars, but they haven't really played like it lately. Uh, they have a team that looked like it was a borderline lock for the postseason not too long ago is now outside looking in their postseason odds, according to this, are minus 155 to make it. So they're still, um, you know, a decent shot. Uh, no is plus 130. It's interesting. There's quite a few teams that in the American League that have negative odds somebody is going to lose out on this thing so if you want to sprinkle some money on some nose around there there's going to be a good team that does not make the postseason one thing that's really going to help the blue jays uh, at least it should right now is their schedule for the next few weeks is beyond favorable they have the guardians who are not trying the nationals who are not trying the rockies who are super not trying the athletics kansas city and then it gets tough Texas, Boston, Yankees, Tampa Bay, Yankees, Tampa Bay. So there's no question that there is uh, an extreme difference between the start of their remaining 35 games and the end of those 35 games. But they have a chance to really make up, if not make up some ground, keep up with those teams that are with them because they are going to be facing the absolute doldrums basically from August 26th today till September 10th. They have star power. They just haven't played like it. It's worth pointing out that Bo Bichette did miss time on the injured list, has not been great in his 27 at bat since, hitting 222 with a 629 OPS. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been a bit of a disappointment, hasn't been much better in August. 275, 348, 400. That's not apparent, abhorrent, but it is not what you're signing up for from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Dalton Varsho is starting to play better, though, 826 OPS in the month of August. He is a guy that I think can be a little bit of a difference maker with his speed and also his defense in the outfield. Uh, George Springer, 833 OPS. Nice to have him healthy in the August months. And Brandon Belt has been really good in August. 308, 438, 692. I, I think they're missing the postseason, man. I really do. Just because of how well Seattle is playing and the fact... It's now basically a three-game deficit. It's a three-game deficit with the Mariners getting a chance to play um, some really bad teams. They may need the Rangers or the Astros to fall in order to make it because maybe I'm being a homer here, but the way the Seattle Mariners have looked over these final few weeks, it's tough for me to say they're not a postseason team with that big rotation in front of them. I don't know. what. Where do you side, side on this? Do you think Toronto's making the postseason? It's tough, man. It's tough to handicap. Like you're right. Two like in on the AL side, at least one actually good team is gonna yeah. miss the playoffs. Possibly yeah. two actually good teams are gonna miss the playoffs. Sure. Um, and you just you can't say the same for the NL side because I, I actually think the Diamondbacks are are at least interesting. There's certainly a lot of holes on that team, but then on my end, you get down into the Giants. I don't know, you know how but they remain in contention to make the playoffs only one game back of the third and a wild card spot they're 13 and a half games back of the dodgers in the nl west currently four games above 500 at 66 and 62 
Uh, yes, to make the playoffs is plus 125. Missing the playoffs is at minus 155. More action on missing the playoffs. I, I couldn't bring myself to touch either side of those because the Giants have surprised me so many times in the past. But uh, it's a very thin rotation, even with Kyle Harrison now in the mix. It's a very patchwork offense. That's the word of the day, patchwork with some of these NL teams, yeah. especially after losing Michael Conforto for the next couple of weeks, possibly into mid-September, even late September. Um, but who knows? It, I mean, it's not like the Giants are, are battling in the NL wildcard mix with teams that are free of any flaws. They're all flawed in significant ways, probably outside of the Phillies. Uh, if you're going to force me to pick a fantasy MVP from the Giants or just someone who stands out, Tyro Estrada, He's been interrupted by some injuries, but when healthy has continued to build on that mini breakout he enjoyed in 2022, so far this year, 277 average, 755 OPS, 10 homers, 19 steals. Those obviously aren't like bonkers numbers, but he's been the most valuable fantasy hitter in San Francisco by far, just, just inside the top 100 of all major league hitters in five by five fantasy scoring and then after that it's like Wilmer Flores, Conforto, uh Patrick Bailey who's been okay. It, again, it's a it's a very weird team and now with conf, without Conforto for a stretch and they're kind of middle of the pack in terms of um remaining strength of schedule. I, I think it's actually more difficult than this chart even suggests like they've got to face Atlanta for a series. They've got to face the Dodgers for 7 um, Diamondbacks, they have a series against the Diamondbacks, Cubs, Reds. They get seven against the Rockies, which, you know, you got to win all, almost all of those. Uh, seven against the Padres, those could go either way. Uh, and then three against the Guardians. I, I, I don't think they're getting in, and I don't really think they deserve to get in. It's it's not a good roster right you now. Hate, you hate the Diamondbacks, man. Or You I, hate the Giants. No, the Giants. I, I like the Diamondbacks. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they, they beat the Cardinals a lot in, in the mid-aughts or the early yeah. aughts. And I, I just, Drew, is obviously a very good fantasy analyst who would not take any bias towards uh, any yeah. sort of team. But it, <laughs> it's uh, that is a brutal schedule. And you just look at the roster. The fact they only have two starting pitchers essentially going forward is really scary as well. And yet, and it's not an even year. You can't say it's the even year redacted. You can't say it's happening. If it was 2024, what year is it? It's 2023, apparently. Um, but okay. I, yeah, <laughs> it's tough to keep track of these things. I know, I know. But yeah, that would be a team that I would be betting against. But I would not be surprised. They just kind of have a, a a way of when you think they're done coming it back into this thing. They did it last year too, for a little bit anyway, and. Uh, 2021 i think they ended up winning that division it's just a been a weird time yeah, for the a franchise record for wins for regular yeah. season wins like yeah and then, it's a it's an impossible team to and you know the the names change the people involved change but it seems like they're i don't know they're always able to surprise like yes absolutely uh if you're looking for some long shot odds here, the Boston Red Sox, who are the final team that I will uh, preview in this AL wildcard thing, because I think they're the only team with a somewhat realistic shot still left. I'm, I'm counting out the Yankees. I'm counting out everybody behind the Yankees. There's just too much ground for the Yankees to make up. But the Red Sox are plus 550 to make the postseason, a no minus 700. It's not worth it at those odds to bet the no. They're, they're, you may think of that as free money. 
there's just too many things that can happen over the regular season ending to bet on that. Uh, the Red Sox scheduled to end the year is one of the reasons why I am not optimistic about them making the postseason. They've still got two games left against the Dodgers this weekend, then the Astros, uh, the Royals, obviously a favorable matchup, but then Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Toronto, Texas, the White Sox favorable, Tampa Bay, Baltimore. I mean, that's playing some of the very best teams in baseball. All you're missing there is Atlanta from like playing the very best of the best in the American League. And my concern with them is the pitching. But Brian, Brian Bayo has been excellent in August, and Cutter Crawford has pitched really well too. But James Paxton has a 5.31 ERA over his four starts in August. Chris Stale a 5.14. Nick Pavetta a 6.43 ERA. Uh, the bullpen hasn't exactly been lights out either. John Schreiber a 7.45 ERA. Uh, Mauricio Lavera in his eight appearances a six a 6.17 ERA. Their pitching just scares me. The offense is really good. Uh, by the way, William Abreu, in his four games, 13 at-bats, he has six hits. He's homered, uh, 462, 533, 846. Not even a little bit sustainable, but kind of worth keeping an eye on. Uh, Devers and Verdugo have been excellent in August. Pablo Reyes has provided some offense. I don't have really a question about the Red Sox lineup, which is kind of a weird thing to say. It was kind of like a, a kind of weird, not... I don't know what the right term is, but I wasn't exactly optimistic on the Red Sox being able to score a lot of runs. I wasn't optimistic about the pitching either, to be completely honest with you. So far, I've been right about the pitching, not so much, especially late anyway, not so much about the offense. I think it's fair to say that the Boston Red Sox are staying home in 2023. They're getting healthy at the right time, um, but it's it's going to be an uphill battle because the teams they're chasing are just as talented if if not, if not a lot better. more talented yeah yeah i think it's as simple as that yeah if i mean if you're gonna bet that bet them to to win it i but you know i'd, I'd yeah. just yeah spend spend your money elsewhere Fair. Uh, bet on notre dame to cover what is it 20 and a half now 20 and a half let's go yep all right um I'm, i'll wrap it up with just a look at what's left in the the you know wild card race the marlins um, you know, the shine has faded definitely in the second half, but they're still one of the better stories of this season and, and still over, hovering over the 500 mark, 19 games back of Atlanta in the NL East, but only two and a half games back of the third NL wildcard spot here on August 26th. Yes to make the playoffs is plus 280. No to make the playoffs is at minus 350. They went nine and 15 in July. They're eight and 14 so far in August. And, you know, they're having to worry too much about workload issues with some of their young starters. I like what they did at, at the deadline to, to creatively inject some offense. Shout out to, to Kim Ng and that entire front office. But I'd probably go ahead and label this year as a strong step forward, but not one that is probably going to lead to the postseason. You know, hey, two and a half games back. Yeah. Despite two months of struggles. It says more about the race itself, the NOL car race itself, than the Marlins. But. I don't know. Maybe they're due for a little win streak. Um, as far as fantasy standouts, Luis Arise is winning the batting average category for fantasy managers, but hasn't offered a ton of counting stats production, which is kind of his his thing. It's what you expected. Uh, Jake Berger has been a nice deadline pickup and, sure. and is playing every day, which is cool. Uh, Brian De La Cruz, some promising stretches and then some not so promising stretches, which is yeah. kind of par for the course with some of their young hitting prospects um sure. i'll go with jorge soler for my fantasy mvp here I, it should really probably be jesus lazardo or, or yuri perez but for hitting stats um yeah 
Soler has 33 home runs through 122 games. That's his most homers since he hit 48 for the Royals in 2019. That feels like it happened two decades ago. It really uh, does. Soler has yeah, yeah, bounced around a bit since then, a stop in Atlanta. He's a frustratingly streaky hitter, um, but he's getting the job done on the whole this year from a power perspective for Miami. And he's hitting leadoff recently, too, which is an odd place to put him um, for for manager Skip Schumacher. But you can't question what much much of what Schumacher has done in in his first year as the Marlins manager. He could wind up claiming NL manager of the year. Yeah, Um, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but. Hey, I mean, are they any worse than the Giants? Are they any worse than the Reds? Yeah. They're probably worse than the Reds. Um maybe. But I mean they they could they could get they could make some noise. Like again, they're kind of due for a winning streak if you believe in, in the due factor because they've been really bad since really the beginning of July. Um on the flip side of the Marlins rise, just to kind of round this out, is the Padres yeah. um, just ongoing toils and mediocrity are even worse than mediocrity they're what seven games under the 500 mark six and a half games back of getting into the nl wildcard mix um which if you haven't picked up on throughout this show that race isn't populated by the most well-rounded teams certainly not as well-rounded and talented on paper as as san diego but right now the padres are plus 1200 to make the playoffs minus 2000 to miss i think we can go ahead and, and bury their chances. Um, yeah. The same for the Mets, another one of the biggest disappointments of the year. And then the Cardinals, I don't, I don't even want to look at where they are, but they're done too. <laughs> yeah. I, I was tempted, you know, just uh, take you inside baseball a little bit. I, I put the list of these teams and I was like, should I include the Padres in this thing? Because you take a look at the run differential and you take a look at that roster and you want to say, no, nah, this isn't over. But I think it's over. I just don't think it's a think very it's, I, I, it's not a balanced baseball team. It's just there are issues with that team. They they are going to mollywop some teams. They are going to come out ahead and win some 15 to 3 games, but they're going to lose series all the time because I just don't think it's a very balanced team. I like AJ Preller. I love that he has aggressiveness and goes for it. I don't mind any of the trades that he's made on the whole, but I don't think he's built a very uh balanced roster and just I mentioned it as well. The, the Yankees are a team that you may be wondering about. They're done. The Yankees are absolutely cooked. That is one of the worst lineups in baseball. You can't rely on the rotation. It's just not It's not happening. There's too many teams to climb. There's too many games to climb. Um, you may be able to get really favorable odds betting for this team to make the postseason, and they can say that they're not giving up. It's over. The Yankees are not making the postseason. We will delete this podcast if we have to. Uh, Drew? Let's offer some Sunday streamers, and I'll just go first real quick. I am taking Jordan Wicks. I think Wicks makes a lot of sense, uh, somebody that should still be on the waiver wire. I'm not expecting great things, but I think he can give you five innings of two-run baseball, and I think he can definitely give you a win against those Pittsburgh Pirates, and uh, I want to keep this winning streak going. Yeah, I think I've only won one of these so far, and we've Correct. been doing it for like 10 weeks now. But um, <laughs> So don't listen to me, but uh, I'll take Mike Clevenger, like 38% that. rostered on Yahoo because he's going against the A's, and they're the A's. He had a rough <laughs> outing last week against your Mariners, who yeah. have just been unbeatable lately. But seven strikeouts over seven scoreless innings the turn before at Wrigley Field. Six innings of one-run ball against that vaunted Yankees lineup before that. Um, he's facing the A's. That's my analysis. Uh, Clevenger at home against the A's. 
Yeah, I like that call an awful lot. Uh, real quick, Drew, score today. I'm going to say Notre Dame 34, Navy 14. Well, Notre Dame's team total is 34 and a half. So give me something. And I already I already put a put some action on the over. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> okay. like that prediction at all. Notre Dame 35. <laughs> <laughs> Navy 14. There you go. There you go. I'm going to go. And um, Navy's team total is 13 and a half. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Notre Dame 38. Uh, Navy 17. Boy, we are really deleting this podcast if it goes wrong, by the way. <laughs> thanks so much for following the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And thanks for listening today. Uh, make sure you're following us on whatever they're calling this website now. I'm at Crawford underscore MILB. Drew is at Drew Silve. Please rate, please review, please hit like on the shows. If you like what you're hearing, hit that subscribe button as well. And make sure you keep an eye out for new episodes. We have new episodes every single day of the week during the regular season. Ryan and I will be back tomorrow. It'll be fun. Go Notre Dame. Go Mariner Wild Card. Hope you guys had a good time listening. Go Irish. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.